Welcome to the EMSO Talks podcast. Hello and uh, welcome to EMSO Talks. I'm Jens Neustadt, co-deputy CIO, and I'm joined today by our head of research, Patrick Estorellas. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Hi, Jens. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us today. I just wanted to kick off with this year hasn't really gone according to plan for many. I mean, few could have anticipated the very rocky road that we've had so far. And I'm pretty sure that uh, we've all seen developments over the last six to seven months that have been surprises, be it from geopolitics, inflation, food prices, even the Fed. So before we kind of focus on what's next for the reminder of the year, can you perhaps summarize a little bit what surprised you during the first couple of months here of 2022? And uh, how does that really compare to the past? Well, the list is a long one. Um, we were uh, already reasonably cautious uh, heading into 2022, um, and anticipating that um, you know we would see something of a hangover. Um, you know, from the uh, dramatic, uh, you know, pro-cyclical, uh, you know, stimulus policies, uh, you know, that we saw uh, advanced by the, uh, you know, Biden administration um, uh, in the, uh, you know, spring of, uh, you know, last year, and that uh, inevitably drove up inflationary pressures and have, um, uh, you know, put the Fed very much on the back foot. Um, but, um, uh, I think, uh, you know, that, uh, there were a number of other developments that, um, uh, you know, turbocharged that theme, uh, that, uh, you know, did, uh, you know, take us by surprise. Um, uh, first and foremost, um, um, you know, we think that, uh, you know, inflationary pressures, I mean, have proven to be, uh, you know, more persistent, uh, and more, you know, durable. I mean, than I think even, um, uh, you know, worst case expectations. Um, uh, supply chain bottlenecks have been easing, but slowly. Um, uh, the uh, COVID, uh, you know, virus, I mean, has thrown new variants our way. Um, you know, that uh, at one point this year, uh, you know, first, uh, you know, China uh, back into lockdown mode um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, delayed, uh, uh, you know, some of the uh, bottlenecks easing. I mean, that we were, you know, seeing materialize. Um, uh, the, um, uh, inflationary pressures, I mean, all across, uh, you know, G10, uh, you know, have also, uh, you know, proven to be, uh, you know, more durable than expected as, um, labor markets have remained, um, uh, extremely tight, um, you know, which has, uh, resulted in a, you know, persistent, uh, uh, job offer, job seeker gap, um, you know, that has, uh, you know, created risks of, you know, potential, uh, wage inflationary pressures. Um, and of course, uh, you know, we had uh, a number of geopolitical political surprises that, um, uh, you know, really enhanced, uh, you know, that emerging, uh, you know, stagflationary theme, uh, you know, not least, of course, uh, you know, Russia's, uh, you know, decision uh, to, uh, you know, launch an invasion uh, into Ukrainian territory that, um, uh, you know, has, you know, so far only resulted in them, you know, seizing 20% uh, of, uh, you know, Ukrainian land, um, which, uh, you know, we think is probably, you know, the, the most that they will be able to, you know, actually secure and potentially annex, uh, but which has, um, you know, resulted um, uh, in, uh, you know, big spike uh, in overall commodity prices, um, you know, which over the course of the last, you know, couple of months, I mean, has since uh, reversed or in some cases only partially reversed, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, created, um, uh, again, you know, additional, you know, commodity bottlenecks. I mean, that, um, uh, you know, amplified those inflationary pressures that were already building 
uh, you know, from uh, last year. Uh, <clears throat> all of this, um, you know, obviously has um, uh, resulted in, again, um, you know, higher inflation than expected, but also, uh, you know, a sharper, uh, you know, decline uh, in, uh, you know, growth expectations, um, you know, pretty much across the board, but particularly uh, in uh, <clears throat> developed markets, uh, you know, relative to um, emerging markets. Uh, with uh, uh, Europe uh, specifically uh, being at the very epicenter of these global recessionary fears, um, you know, due to a combination of, um, uh, you know, tighter, you know, external financing conditions, uh, you know, a very sharp, uh, you know, contraction in, uh, you know, real wages, you know, given that nominal wages have uh, uh, not gone up as much, uh, you know, as they have in the U.S., uh, and of course, the uh, you know dramatic increase uh, in uh, overall uh, you know energy prices as a result of Russia's decision uh, you know to uh, curb back overall gas flows and volumes uh, uh, in uh, in what is a, a game of very high stakes brinkmanship. Um, central banks, as a result, I mean, have been you know forced uh, you know I think to you know put aside their you know cautiousness uh, you know in an effort to try and uh, you know regain credibility and are effectively. Um, you know, uh, cantle cyclically, uh, you know, tightening, uh, you know, monetary policy, uh, you know, now, you know, very much in a pro-cyclical manner, uh, you know, as they are, um, you know, looking to, uh, you know, curb, uh, you know, inflation expectations and, uh, and, and put the genie back into the box, uh, you know, seemingly at all costs. Um, this, of course, I mean, has resulted in, um, uh, very significant repricing, uh, you know, across the board, um, <clears throat> you know, virtually, uh, you know, all assets, uh, you know, with the exception of, um, uh, you know, oil, uh, and the dollar, uh, you know, have had a, a very torrid time uh, year to date. And, and of course, emerging markets have been, um, uh, you know, no, uh, been a stranger to this overall theme. So emerging markets, especially emerging market fixed income is no stranger to volatility. Clearly, as you put it, uh, the context hasn't been good for really at any asset market. But is there any historical episode you can compare the first six or seven months this year with in the past? And what is different this time compared to those historical episodes? So if we look at, um, you know, valuations today, um, uh, you know, certain um, emerging market assets, I mean, are already, uh, you know, pricing, uh, <coughs> you know, volatility that uh, uh, is, is already quite, you know, extreme, actually. I mean, even from a historical perspective, um, um, uh, you know, when, when we look at, um, uh, you know, emerging market fixed income credit in particular, um, and, and if we zero in, uh, you know, on emerging market, uh, you know, high yield, uh, you know, fixed income, uh, you know, we're effectively already pricing, uh, you know, the last, uh, you know, three recessionary cycles. Um, uh, COVID, um, uh, in, uh, you know, March, April 2020, uh, the global financial crisis and the, uh, and the 2000, um, uh, dot com, uh, bust, uh, recession. Um, you know, we, we really have to go back to, um, you know, the, uh, uh, mid 1990s, right? I mean, in order to, uh, you know, see, uh, you know, higher spreads and, um, and, and, uh, and let's remember that, you know, the mid 1990s, I mean, were the, uh, era of, um, you know, emerging markets engaging in, um, uh, you know, original sin, right? Um, 
very high levels of um, you know overall external indebtedness with no you know access to local currency markets. I mean that were uh, extremely shallow or, or non-existent at the time. Uh, you know uh, fixed exchange rates. Uh, you know very poor. You know FX reserve coverage. Um, uh, you know a very very different uh, you know fundamental picture, which of course everybody uh, you know remembers as uh, as as an era of um, you know rolling defaults. I mean across uh, you know key. Uh, you know, benchmark uh, emerging market countries, uh, you know, including, uh, uh, you know, Mexico, of course, in, in 94, you know, the Asian financial crisis in 97, you know, <clears throat> um, Russia in 98, and uh, and the list goes, uh, you know, on and on. Um, you know, we think that, um, uh, you know, as much as, you know, we have seen, uh, you know, a, a front-loading, uh, you know, in, in tightening in financing conditions, I mean, that, um, uh, you know, we haven't really seen since the, uh, you know, early 80s, um, you know, emerging markets are, you know, from a fundamental standpoint, uh, you know, I think better positioned, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, weather, uh, you know, this episode of, uh, you know, tightening external financial conditions with, um, you know, va- valuations, which we think are not, uh, you know, aligned again with, uh, you know, fundamentals that are a far cry, uh, you know, from what they were back in the mid 90s. So in terms of weathering these conditions, what has to change for some of these risk premiums to actually have been excessive? You mentioned sovereign high yield. Are there other parts of the EM space you think is also subject to excessive risk premiums? And looking now ahead for the rest of the year, what are the signposts that gives you comfort that we should start taking advantage of this excessive risk premium? Let's start with the global macro picture, and then we can talk about the individual opportunities. But what should we look for? Absolutely. So in terms of, uh, you know, signals and uh, signposts, uh, you know, I I think we need to look for uh, a number of things. Um, uh, First and foremost, um, you know, we we need to see, uh, you know, a peak uh, and, uh, and, and a durable peak and, and a turnaround, um, uh, in, uh, you know, inflation and, and inflation expectations, uh, you know, par- particularly in G10, right? Um, <clears throat> uh, we have, uh, you know, arguably already seen the peak, uh, in, in core CPI, um, you know, back in, uh, you know, April of this year, but, um, uh, you know, we're, we're still, um, you know, working at, uh, you know, very elevated levels. Uh, and, uh, and I think the, uh, you know, market, I mean, would like to see, uh, inflation, you know, converge, you know, down to, you know, the uh, overall slowdown in high frequency growth indicators that we've seen, you know, building up over the course of the uh, uh, last several months. Um, <clears throat> we, you know, arguably, uh, you know, see a, a stack of potential disinflationary pressures, right? I mean, working through the pipeline, uh, including, of course, um, uh, you know, core goods, uh, you know, disinflation, uh, you know, as uh, consumers rotate from goods to services and the supply chain bottlenecks ease and the, you know, pressure of, you know, very high excess inventories, uh, you know, lead, uh, you know, relators, retailers to, you know, offer, uh, you know, discounts over the course of the next several months. Um, labor market tightness, um, uh, is also, uh, you know, beginning to loosen. <coughs> We've seen uh, jobless claims, uh, you know, tick up over the course of the last couple of months. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, slight increases in labor force participation. The job market is still, uh, you know, very, very tight. But, uh, you know, any signs of additional loosening, um, you know, that can, uh, you know, cap, uh, you know, overall wage growth, uh, I think will be, uh, you know, well received by the market. Um, uh, commodities, of course, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, have, um, uh, you know, staged a, a dramatic turnaround. I mean, particularly, 
uh, in industrial metals and uh, and soft uh, agricultural prices. Um, you know, oil has also come off the boil. Uh, <clears throat> you know, all of these I think will have uh, you know important uh, you know knock on effects uh, on uh, uh, both uh, uh, inflation you know headline numbers as well as uh, uh, you know serving to anchor uh, inflation expectations. Um, uh, that uh, you know will have an important, I think, pass through uh, you know to the Fed, and in particular, you know the market um, uh, you know pricing of the Fed you know terminal rate and the and the Fed future path. Um, uh, you know, at one point in mid June, <clears throat> you know the market was um, uh, you know pricing a Fed terminal rate. I mean that was approaching you know four and a half percent, right? I mean with um, you know people falling over themselves, I mean, to, um, you know, try and forecast, I mean, just uh, how high the Fed might go, you know, in an effort to, uh, you know, slay the uh, inflationary dragon. Um, right now, uh, you know, the Fed is, uh, you know, already, you know, beginning to, you know, offer hints that, uh, you know, now that they have hit neutral, um, you know, they are, you know, going to be, you know, slightly more cautious in terms of, uh, you know, calibrating policy with, you know, the market basically pricing terminal uh, roughly 100 basis points above neutral, so at around 3.5%, which we think is, um, uh, you know, appropriate. Um, uh, um, but uh, but we need to, you know, see, I think, uh uh, you know, greater signs, uh, you know, and confidence, um, you know, that, um, uh, you know, the market does not need to reprice this higher, uh, you know, and uh, in, in, in an effort, I mean, to try and cap, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, risks of, uh, you know, potential, you know, further uh, increase higher in overall, uh, you know, core rates. Um, um, the, um, the other signpost, I mean, to look for, of course, uh, is, uh, uh, you know, growth. Um, uh, we have seen um, a pretty dramatic revision downwards, uh, you know, in overall global growth expectations. I mean, to effectively uh, allow, you know, to handle. Um, uh, and um, uh, but uh, but we probably have not yet, you know, hit a trough. Um, you know, Europe in particular, you know, as I mentioned earlier, is at the epicenter of these, uh, you know, global recessionary fears. Um, and, uh, and with, uh, you know, Russia having effectively, you know, curbed gas volumes to, uh, you know, 20% of capacity through the, uh, you know, Nord Stream 1 pipeline, uh, that, uh, you know, feeds, um, uh, a majority of the gas that is being consumed, uh, in Europe. Um, and, uh, and with the possibility of, um, uh, industrial rationing, uh, you know, looming, you know, ever higher, uh, you know, across, uh, you know, some of the main engines of growth in the Eurozone, in particular Germany, uh, you know, the risks, uh, you know, to growth there, you know, continue to be, uh, you know, skewed to the downside, um, uh, which, um, you know, is likely to, you know, continue to, uh, you know, bid up the dollar, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and delaying basically, I mean, the point at which we can see a durable dollar peak, uh, you know, which, um, you know, will provide, uh, you know, a, a better, you know, pass through and green signal for risk, uh, going forward. So it sounds to me that uh, when it comes to inflation, especially in the U.S., you can start seeing that turn that has an impact in terms of the Fed's thinking relatively soon. Yet at the same time, you're concerned, especially uh, about Eurozone growth and that disappointing. How do you strike a balance between those two? And what assets do you think in emerging markets that would still benefit even if those signposts could be somewhat contradictory. So, as you mentioned, Jens, um, uh, we do have uh, you know some contradictory signals that uh, you know I think have uh, different implications uh, across different assets in emerging markets. Um, uh, you know, starting with um, um, starting with um, hard currency fixed income. Um, you know, what matters most uh, is uh, you know to see a continued decline. Uh, in U.S., uh, you know, rate, uh, you know, volatility, 
um, and, uh, and, and I continued, uh, you know, firming up, uh, you know, around Fed peak expectations, um, you know, as well as, uh, you know, definitive ceiling, right, uh, in, um, uh, you know, long end, um, uh, US rates. Um, we are, you know, arguably already, uh, you know, seeing, um, uh, you know, the signals, I mean, coming through, uh, you know, reasonably fast. Um, uh, you know, Fed peak expectations, I mean, seem to have, um, you know, reached a ceiling, you know, at around three and a half percent. Um, uh, you know, duration, of course, um, uh, you know, has been, uh, you know, bid with, uh, you know, U.S. Treasury 10 year, you know, falling from a peak of three and a half percent in mid June, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, roughly 2.7%. Uh, you know, as we speak, um, you know, and U.S. rate volatility, <coughs> whilst it has remained, um, you know, quite high, I mean, is, um, you know, also, you know, coming down uh, as we are, uh, you know, baking in these levels. Uh, in, in the context of, again, very cheap valuations, um, you know, that leaves us reasonably comfortable, uh, you know, running, um, uh, you know, risk uh, on positions uh, uh, in, um, you know, hard currency, particularly in the, uh, you know, higher yielding space. Uh, that has, um, you know, not yet unwound, uh, you know, a lot of the sell-off that accelerated in June and July. Um, in the uh, local space, uh, you know, we think that the risk reward, uh, you know, for, you know, local duration, I mean, has also been increasing uh, steadily uh, over the course of the, um, uh, you know, last, uh, you know, several months uh, in, in a context, again, of, um, uh, um, of um, you know, a um, an inversion of the U.S. Treasury rate curve, uh, you know, duration being bid, um, and um, uh, you know, real rates, um, you know, offering already uh, you know significant valuation cushions across a number of uh, you know emerging markets in a context where you know a lot of the emerging market central banks, of course, already you know started front loading uh, that monetary policy tightening cycle, uh, you know, as early as March of last year. Um, EMFX, you know, however, uh, you know, we think is a trickier asset class. Um, you know, in, uh, in a context of, um, um, you know, declining growth expectations, um, you know, a dollar that we think has not yet necessarily reached a peak, um, uh, a euro dollar, um, you know, where risks are skewed to the downside. I mean, as uh, a result of the, uh, you know, confluence of negative growth factors, I mean, that are uh, afflicting Europe and, and an ECB, uh, you know, policy reaction function that, um, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, still, uh, you know, not been fully tested by the uh, market. Um, and of course, uh, you know, the decline, uh, you know, in overall, uh, you know, commodity prices that, um, you know, serve to lift, you know, a lot of uh, the currencies of uh, emerging market, uh, you know, commodity exporters in Q1, um, um, but, uh, but which has since, uh, you know, reversed. Uh, you know, as, uh, you know, commodities have, uh, you know, largely converged, right? I mean, with the uh, declining overall global growth expectations. So I hear you that there are clearly opportunities and you're saying that most of those opportunities are on the sovereign high yield side. Yet at the same time, you look, for example, at the benchmark, the MB Global Diversified, over 20 sovereigns are now in distressed territory. Uh, that means over a thousand basis points and spreads. Not all of them will be able to come out of this uh, with keeping on servicing their debts. The shock may simply be too big. Where do you draw the line? What indicators are you looking at to see whether a sovereign can make it or not? And how concerned are you that we get a wave of sovereign defaults given the shock? So the uh, best way to, uh, you know, stress for, um, you know, country's ability to, uh, you know, navigate, you know, what is effectively a sudden stop, right? 
being shot out of the capital markets for an extended period of time uh, <clears throat> is, um, you know, to look at their, uh, you know, gross, uh, you know, external financing needs, uh, which are effectively their, you know, projected current account deficits and um, uh, and debt amortization, some incoming due, um, and um, um, and and see how those stack up, uh, you know, against uh, you know their overall, uh, you know, gross and, and net FX reserves. Um, <clears throat> when we, you know, stress test that, uh, you know, for eighteen months, so assuming that um, uh, international capital markets will remain, uh, you know, shut. Uh, you know, from now until the end of 2023, which we think is a very, very conservative assumption. Um, you know, we find that, um, you know, only a handful of countries, you know, actually, um, you know, would need to, uh, you know, dip into 50%, uh, or more of their FX reserves, uh, you know, to cover their, you know, external funding needs over that, um, you know, 18 month period. Um, <clears throat> those unsurprisingly, you know, are many other countries, I mean, that are today, you know, already either at default, right? I mean, or effectively priced at recovery or default levels, right? I mean, they include um, uh, Sri Lanka, Tunisia, uh, you know, Pakistan, uh, you know, Egypt, uh, Ghana, right? Um, you know, all of which, uh, you know, we think, um, uh, you know, could, uh, uh, you know, have are already under stress or could potentially find themselves under even, um, you know, deeper stress. Um, you know, of course, um, you know, many of these countries, um, you know, anticipating this, right, uh, you know, have already been quite proactive, I mean, in trying to, you know, find external lines of support, right? Uh, you know, Egypt has resorted to, uh, you know, many of its, uh, you know, friends in the Gulf, right? I mean, to, um, uh, you know, extend, uh, you know, significant lines of financing, uh, you know, uh, Tunisia and Egypt, right? I mean, are currently engaged in, uh, you know, negotiations with the IMF, uh, you know, in order to provide additional backstops, um, uh, you know, which, uh, you know, could very well, you know, give them a good shot, right? I mean, at surviving uh, even uh, an extended, um, uh, you know, sudden stop. Um, we, you know, struggle to find, um, you know, above and beyond, um, you know, these, uh, you know, six or seven countries, uh, you know, other countries, I mean, that we feel, you know, have, uh, you know, true, uh, you know, uh, uh, jump to default risk, right? Um, um, and, and that will, uh, you know, struggle, I mean, to effectively find, um, uh, you know, ways of funding themselves, uh, you know, over this 18 uh, month period. Patrick, well, Thank you as always uh, for your insights and that outlook. There is no doubt that uh, we will have some pretty challenging times ahead of us as well. I take some uh, uh, optimism out of the fact that you're saying that in a couple of cases, we actually now have a significant risk premium and there are things to do, as well as that we are seeing inflationary pressures a little bit more in the rear view window. Um, and that hopefully means that uh, this is also an opportunity for us to navigate through. To the listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. As always, if you have any questions, please reach out to our investor relations team. Thank you for listening.